nurses undergo stress majority of their shift. So if you're a nurse out there or a healthcare professional and you have a 12-hour shift, well, guess what? You're having that stress response activated throughout your, your, your shift, and that's going to impact you in the long run as well. And if you throw a night shift on top of that, that prolongs Ooh, it. Oh, I got to go. I've been working, told them, please don't hit my phone. I'm in my zone, bro. Just leave me alone. Was on the road, but I swear I'm coming home. Now the drinks on me, I think we need a toast. See, I did it for me. Now my old friends calling, told them nothing's for free. Told me time is money, dog. I swear I paid on my fees. I was starving for this game, now my fan, they can't eat. What's happening, folks and beautiful people and aliens, if you are listening, welcome to the Cup of Nurses show with your hosts, Peter and myself, Matt here. This is a Cup of News episode 82. I'm pumped for it, but before that, quick little advertisement on the Cup of Nurses episode here. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and finding time to take time to listen to this. We appreciate it. The downloads have been coming in and they've been increasing. We thank all the loyal fans and everyone that tunes in, subscribe to the YouTube. And if you find value in this podcast, because we just put out content for free, return the favors. Give us a sub, give us a five star. That's what motivates us. And of course, it ranks us on the algorithm. And this is why we keep on producing this high-ass quality content. Cup of news, cupofnurses.com for anything related as far as show notes, any up-to-date things. And the Cup of Nurses shop is there. We're going to revamp it for the new years in 2022 make it look awesome we're gonna have monthly merch releases and etc so stay tuned for that and we'll start cracking on we are frontline warriors as well but in the meantime there's awesome content there and blog posts to raise consciousness and etc so tune in for that our vlogs are always coming out and if you want to build a community with us come check, uh, hang out on the facebook groups we're always interacting with our fans and etc so that's that and of course, Pronto, we're launching an app sometime in Q1 of 2022. We're going to revolutionize and innovate healthcare employment for everyone. It's going to be an awesome app that we've been cranking out day after day here at the Cup of Nurses studio, studio wherever we are in America. So I'm excited for that. And yeah, let the show begin. How you doing, Pete? I'm doing great, man. Another jam-packed episode for all you listeners out there. We're going to talk about the stress response, kind of the dynamics of it, what goes into it, and how... These stress response actually affects the body. And we're also going to talk about two foods that will help you alleviate stress and help you kind of relax a little bit. So a stress response, it's more of like a response that's more, you could say, automated. You don't really control it, uh, you, you could say per se, because it's usually associated with like an increase of, of heart rate. Your breathing um, is better just to give you more oxygen to your brain and to your vital organs. It's a, it's a process that, that happens each time you get stressed. But like I said, it's not something that you, you can control. It's just your body does it automatically. And this this continuous and consistent stress response, it has negative effects when it's it's prolonged. It, that's when the issues start to evolve and start to arise. The stress response is very beneficial for you in the short term. But when you have it for prolonged periods of time, it's associated with a lot of negative outcomes like obesity and just a poor quality of, of life. And as people, we should try to minimize that stress response. And the stress response could be could, could be initiated with any kind of stress, something that's small, something that's large. Let's just say you're prepping for the holidays. That's already a stressful response just because you're, you know, you're trying to get, get things done and you're a little more stressed than usual. Nurses undergo stress majority of their shift. So if you're a nurse out there or a healthcare professional and you have a 12-hour shift, well, guess what? You're having 
that stress response activated throughout your, your, your shift. And that's going to impact you in the long run as well. And if you throw a night shift on top of that, that prolongs it even more. They should do some research studies on nurses to see where we're at with the stress response, mm -hmm. how it actually impacts us and et cetera, because yeah. uh, we consume caffeine. We're caffeine H-W-H-O-R-E's, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And we just consume it so much, especially as a night shift nurse, like the intake doubles, to be honest. Like you'll have more than a cup of coffee to stay awake. Mm -hmm. So I wonder what the, are the long-term implications of that other than like PTSD. Yeah. But to just to get into some... Uh, physiology of all this it's very fascinating how uh, the stress response works so it starts in the brain it starts in the cerebral cortex then moves into the amygdala and then the hypothalamus so the amygdala amygdala the hypothalamus so the cerebral cortex identifies the threat the frontal cortex whatever it is it analyzes data that's coming in from the outside world and what happens is the amygdala sends a signal information and the hypothalamus interprets it that hey there's danger and it sends a distress signal. Mm. Uh, what, what's interesting about all this, it, it's happening without even realizing it. Mm. Yeah, so like before, what's crazy to think about is, is you could feel when you're stressed, but the stress response is so quick and so efficient that for example, if you're standing in the middle of the road and a car happens to you know drive by and almost hit you, you jump, jump out of the way, you don't consciously jump out of the way, your body just, just kind of does it. And this is what's, what's also part of the stress response, which is, which is really fascinating. It reminds me of like my mom's, uh, she has a new 2020 Subaru Outback. Um, and honestly, I was kind of looking at my phone at one point and I was driving, tis tis Matt. And what happened is, I didn't realize I looked up and I just heard a beep and the brakes started breaking, breaking all, all on its own. So it's almost like this is how the body's doing it, where I'm consciously not aware of what's happening on the outside world. But before my eyes and I perceive that threat, the nervous system is already pumping the brakes or in this case, pumping the sympathetic nervous system to get me out of danger. Yeah, yeah. So when the stress response occurs, like Matt said, it goes from uh, the cerebral cortex to your amygdala to then your hypothalamus. And your hypothalamus is responsible for your autonomous nervous function. So when Matt mentioned the sympathetic nervous system, there's also the parasympathetic nervous system. So with the sympathetic nervous system, you could associate that with the fight or flight response. And the parasympathetic system is like your relax and digest. So you could think about it as like, since Matt was talking about cars, uh, the sympathetic system is like a gas pedal. You're, you, once you hit the gas, you're going, you're flying, while the parasympathetic nervous system is your brake. You slow things down. So with your sympathetic nervous system, you're going to experience things like such as an increase in heart rate, increase in blood pressure. You're going to have more perfusion to your vital organs. Uh, you're going to have an influx of higher oxygen, oxygen just because you're going to demand that oxygen depending on what the stressor is and what you're doing. It also triggers the release of, of glucose and fats from storage to your system so your body could use it because if you're in a stress, stressful response, your body doesn't know that it, like what the exact stress is. It just knows that it's stress. So for example, it doesn't know the difference between stress at work versus the stress associated with getting chased by a tiger. It's going to do the the, the, the same functions. Like we talked about a few episodes back about, about blood, how your blood cells, they just have those functions and it always do those functions no matter what. Same with this parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. It's always going to function the same way. Doesn't matter what, what the stressor is. It just knows that, hey, there's stress. We're going to do this, this, and that. And you also are going to get a better better hearing and more focused sight so you can identify the, the, the threat if you were getting chased by like a tiger or, or a lion. 
And this is why I like fasting as well, because it stimulates all these powerful chemicals. It's like a mild positive stress response to the body. It uh, dilates your lungs. It kind of like makes you sharper. I don't know if I hear better, honestly, when I fast. I never thought about that. Uh, but I'm just more efficient as a being because my blood is not in my digestive system. Digesting food is just pulled into the muscles and everything else. So yeah. Yeah, pumps no. are definitely there. Right. And then with these things that we mentioned, like the increase in heart rate, increase in blood pressure, that that's due to the release of, of epinephrine. So Another word for epinephrine is, is adrenaline, and this is what causes these, these actual activations of these of your, of your vessels, of your arteries, and allows them to, to contract and, and relax. So usually that's the first stage, and then your body can't can't keep up keep up with that the whole time. So there's usually a, a second stage to your stress response. So usually there's a point where the epinephrine kind of decreases, and then the hypothalamus activates a second system, which is called the HPA axis. And then this also relies on sympathetic nervous system, but it's just this this allows you to to stay in that dialed in phase, uh, you could say because because the epinephrine is kind of subsiding, but y'all but you still have to have the same actions going on. You still need this heightened level of, of responsiveness. So then the 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 hypothalamus releases certain hormones like CRH, which is corticotropin releasing hormone, and also ACTH, which which is adrenocorticotropic hormone, to kind of uh, promote these these systems that are being revved up, and it also promotes the release of cortisol. And I'm sure some of you have have looked up cortisol or are familiar with it. High levels of, of cortisol is like where your negative effects come from this stress res response especially over a prolonged prolonged period of, of, of time because this leads to like major inflammation and it just keeps things revved up for almost like no reason you could say yeah and, and you always hear about this in like the weight uh, weight loss industry when uh, you want to you know minimize stress because you want your cortisol to be low uh, and it's really hard because most people are looping in this cycle of the sympathetic nervous system and they don't understand how to get out of it and I think this is what also society struggles with because um, as like a human, we're meant to technically be hunter-gatherers and we're meant to see the stress for what it is and we're meant to kind of forget about it and not focus on it. Mm. Uh, but in our current society, I don't know if it's cell phones or us just living in homes, whatever happened there, we tend to just loop into things, mm. loop into events. And your body doesn't know whether it's a cyber-toothed tiger that you're running away from, as we always mention, or... It's just you getting into a fight with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Same stress response, you looping in a negativity of whatever he did or he went out and you told him not to. I don't know what the hell shit happens nowadays in dating. Uh, but what happens is you're looping in that feeling and that feeling is creating this, you know, the first stage of the sympathetic nervous system then kind of goes back into the HPA axis, as Peter mentioned, and you're just looping in it. You're not breaking the cycle and your brain is very efficient uh, you know, neurons that wire together, fire together, and eventually just keep on going with this shit. And then where, where does this lead to? Anxiety or depression and et cetera. So. Yeah. And this anxiety and depression back to the, the cortisol. So cortisol actually uh, uh, promotes the feeling of, of, of depression and the feeling of loss, loss, of, loss control, of control, yeah. as well as like exacerbation of, of gastric irritation. It also promotes urea production and also suppresses appetite and your immune system. So this just shows you that that over long periods of time, if you have cortisol running through your, through your body, you're going to have all these negative negative effects because this is just what cortisol does. Because it is helping you in one sense with the fight and flight and the stress, but in the long run, it just keeps 
if this is sustained, it, it hits you with all these negative things because you're not supposed to be always in this fight and flight response. You're not supposed to be living in that way. You're not a, not a homeostasis and our body loves to be in, in, in homeostasis. And this, geez, just thinking about this right now, you are almost in your own, you create your own cage. You've created, so you started the problem first with being upset with your boyfriend, girlfriend. That's a mental part of things. Then the mental part releases physical things, cortisol in this case, which also leads into depression, loss of control, just like you mentioned. So now you're in this negative loop cycle of not only the thought itself, mm. but also your mind and your body releasing things to keeping you feeling like shit. And it's hard to step out of it. And you just, you feel like a prisoner in your own body sometimes. Yeah, it's wild, man. Stress is, stress is crazy. And it's just, it's like the thing that you, you you feel it, but there's so much associated with the stress response on a, like an internal level where it's kind of hard to understand how stress, let's say, makes you gain weight or causes depression or just decreases your mood without actually digging in deep and figuring out how, how it happens, right? Because... Because we all, we all hear like, yeah, if you're stressed, this is going to happen or that's going to happen. You're not going to be in your optimum, but we don't really know how and why that happens. But I feel like once you kind of dig a little bit under the surface and you kind of learn a little bit about the stress response, you kind of understand that, hey, the way that I, I feel is triggering all these responses internally, even though I might not feel those those responses happening. It's it still activates the system because the system is going to get activated no, no matter what. Uh, two other things that get activated during the stress response is going to be your growth hormone, uh, GH, which then promotes the influx of, of um, fats and also glucose into your bloodstream. So, so a lot of times GH is associated with like uh, physical performance, muscle growth. You need growth hormone to build muscle because this allows these nutrients to go into bloodstream and actually allows your your um, muscles to pick up these things, which which sounds good, but over long periods of time, this becomes a, an issue. Same with the thyroid hormones. You need thyroid hormone to, to function, but remember that high amounts of thyroid hormone, uh, higher amounts of thyroxine, which is released by your thyroid, that causes an increase in heart rate and also increases overall metabolic rate, which is good in the short term, but has detrimental effects in the, in the long term. Uh, one thing I'm noticing here is so, you know, thyroxine is stimulating uh, catecholines, which technically is epinephrine and norepinephrine. So I wonder if people are already stressed out for a long time. And um, this was back in LaGrange. There was this PA that was doing a research paper on uh, uh, vitamin C, how it's stimulating catecholines because we're too de uh, depleted in them. So if you have a, a person that's coming in, a patient that is already depleted in these things and we're just chasing it with norepinephrine, can we do something different uh, that would bypass this mechanism or positively stimulate it so you would have a better response to like pressors or whatever it is, right? Because mm. if you're depleted in catecholines, why not, rep um, instead of squeezing your blood right away, why don't you replace the receptors that are there doing its like pro proper job or your body's job uh, with a great, with a good intention in a way, if that makes sense. Is it possible to like replace the receptors though? That's more research needs to come out. Cause like, if you think about it, that would be the solution to something that's already depleted mm -hmm. due to long-term fear and stress in, in that patient. Instead, we're putting the bandaid and we're putting the pressors on to already a depleted system. Mm -hmm. So the pressors aren't, I don't know if the pressors, if you give somebody norepinephrine, I don't know if it replaces catecholines. That's that's a fascinating thing of science is we're on this podcast. We just ask more questions than we answered sometimes because it's just so fascinating. Right. And I'm kind of curious, uh, like the, if someone is on a pressure for a super long time, um, I wonder if like, let's say someone's been on 
you know, Levo for like, let's just say for a month or whatever. I know it's a super long, long time to be on Levo. Yeah. But I'm not even sure if that's been possible to be on Levo for a month. But regardless, does, is like having continuous like norepinephrine or epinephrine, does that almost like desensitize those, those like, um, those activation centers, you could you could say, because if you're always on, on Levo and you're always getting epinephrine or norepinephrine, is your body going to get desensitized to it where it's going to decrease effectiveness over time? Yeah, it makes sense because mm-hmm. there's people that have depleted adrenal glands right. and they go into, I don't know if it's Graves' disease or Myasthenia gravis, I'm blanking out on this one now, but you can deplete your adrenal glands. Mm-hmm. So uh, that would make sense. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, so the negative effects of, of stress, uh, there's a few system that it affects uh the majority of ones are gonna be digestion your circulation your immunity um and then also your your reproductive systems as well so the digestion the digestion um how how it's affected is what it usually causes is acid reflux and it tends to exacerbate any kind of gi issues you you would have uh, to begin with if let's just say if you have uh, ibs um or irritable bowel disease any kind of like digestive issues and you know, maybe just get diarrhea sometimes these these stress responses are going to promote that happening again just because your body is focused on the stressor and responding to, to a stressor versus responding to kind of you staying healthy you could say so if you're kind of prone to having diarrhea or, or ibs you're not sure where it's coming from you're getting random cramps here and there or your stomach gets upset randomly and you can't figure out why what well, we'll take a look Take a look at yourself and what's going on and are you stressed at that time? Because cortisol and these other stress hormones are associated with a lot of digestive issues like a lack in gastric emptying because blood is diverted from those organs, from that, from those digestive organs to other more, you could say, important organs for, for that time. Because if you're running from a tiger, you don't really care about your stomach and your, and your digestion, right? You're more worried about your kidneys and your, and your heart and you get enough oxygen to those, to those, to those muscles that you're, that you're using to run away from. So... This is why you get that kind of stomach dis- discomfort, those digestive issues is because you're stressed. And then this is just what happens with, with the stress and long periods of stress. It could lead to stomach ulcers. It could lead to GI bleeds. It could lead to all different types of digestive, digestive complications that are not always pretty. Because I know I know any patient that comes in with digestive issues, like let's just say peptic ulcers or gastric ulcers or GI bleeds, it's never pretty. And yeah. it always sucks. And you always feel bad for the patient because, you know, they're shutting out blood or they're vomiting blood or they're getting prepped for surgery and it's super uncomfortable. Yeah, not to mention it's probably creating dysbiosis mm-hmm. in the gut microbe, which is leading to probably a handful of things anyway. Right. Uh, it's also affecting glucose. So when you give your patient education, you always know that, hey, if they have an infection, uh, and this happens all the time, like if the patient is alert and oriented, they're always like, why is my sugar always so high? They always don't understand the process that, hey, because of stress and infection, your blood sugar is going to be raised and it's going to cause issues. Um, the negative stress response affects also the circulation. So both the adrenal and the cortisol effect on the heart and blood pressure over a long period of time could re- uh, lead to uh, chronic heart disease, or I'm not chronic, heart, coronary heart disease and hypertension. And what I found interesting here is that uh, it leads to increased oxygen demand, which could lead to spasms. So some people think they have a heart attack, but it's really just your coronary artery spasming. And then also it creates electro- electrical instability in the heart's conduction system. So you hear a lot of people that have stressful events. And one event I could think of is uh, there was a nurse that was pregnant on her unit. 
And it's funny because she came up from the ER to the ICU with her husband because her husband went into AFib. Uh, he was stressed out at work. He was stressed out with the pregnancy, converted into AFib. So it just shows you how, and you know, sneak peek to the next episode, we're going to talk about the mitochondria, but we really are electrical beings. We rely on this system. So it shows you how stress, which is so mental, messes up your electrical conduction system and throws you into these irregular heart rhythms. Mm. Yeah, it, it's crazy how it all plays a role. And like the key takeaway, you know, from this is that stress response is good in the short term, but prolonged stress over time really messes up your, your, your body. And then also uh, cholesterol levels. So chronic stress uh, leads to persistent high levels of fatty acid deposits, and it could cause atherosclerosis, which can lead to heart attacks. But as you know, sometimes that's related to uh, diabetes as well. But in this case, because of stress, your sugar goes up anyway. Mm. So you're effed. It's a double-edged sword. Yeah, yeah. And right now, since we're in like the winter months, stress also plays a huge role and really affects your, your immune system, uh, especially when mentioning the activation of the HPA axis with the whole uh, pituitary and the adrenal glands. Uh, there's a lot of studies out, out there that, that show that a prolonged stressful event or situation causes an increased likelihood in getting a, a cold or even the flu. And this makes sense because especially for all nurses out there or healthcare professionals, if you really have a stressful week, week at work in the winter months and you're not you know, e eating healthy and you're not really taking care of yourself, that's when you usually get sick because you're super stressed at work, you're not eating right, and you're always under this prolonged stress and this decreases your immune system. What this prolonged stress actually does, it decreases your, your cytokines, the release of cytokines, but it increases the release of pro-inflammatory cytokines, which is causing, you could say, widespread inflammation, which is associated with, with a lack of appetite or a feeling of kind of like weak. Like, you know, when, you, when you're slowly getting sick, like you're not fully sick, but you could feel something coming already, like you're all kind of like fatigued and you don't really want to do anything. So this is what these pro-inflammatory cytokines do is they, they cause those, those feelings. And we actually looked at a, a study that looked at stress and different types of cancers and associated prolonged stress with a heightened chance and promotion of breast cancers and certain bone cancers, which is super scary. So like this, this is probably the scariest, this aspect of your, of the stress response that being prolonged over time is your immune system because your, because your immune response, the proper immune response that, that you want going, going on for when you are infected or, you know, fighting off an infection that gets suppressed, but your systemic like pro-inflammatory immune response gets heightened, which, which causes you to have an increased likelihood of feeling that like the, the, those oppressive symptoms and just feeling like nasty and, 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 and icky. Um, and also, you know, it's crazy that research shows that it promotes different breast cancers and, and bone cancers, which is, which is really crazy. Damn. Yeah. So you gotta be careful, you know, especially going, if you're female. Going back to the whole cytokine thing, that's one thing that was the huge uh, conversation during C19 and still is during the pandemic is if you're already having systemic inflammation, you're having poor immune system health. Well, this virus only exacerbates that. And we've seen people going into full blown out ARDS slash pneumonia because of poor cytokine control. Yeah. And we always saw it in their uh, D-dimer, CRP, uh, and all those lab values. And an another thing is, you know, you're listening to this episode and you know that stress is bad and all that. So why the hell is like the government continuously promoting fear, fear, fear? There's nothing positive or anything like that. It's making you feel like the loss of control. 
like when the hell did you think that this is good for your health mm. or, yeah, or, that, or that they care about your health in this case not to get on the wrong tangent or anything but that's just thoughts that i have right now <laughs> yeah the, the the news are throwing you into like a stress response right because it's it's, it's scary sometimes we turn on the news and we like i put something on and i already i already start thinking in my head like oh shit this is what's happening and you get freaked out like i understand there is a proper place to you know push fear and things like that because nobody wants to catch COVID-19 and it's scary when you get COVID-19. Hey, yo, you use that word twice. Oh, what are we referring 19. to? There you yeah. go. One more time and we're going to get probably shadow banned. But yeah, so C-19, it's, it's a scary thing too. You should you should be scared of it, but you should also rationalize and realize that it's not the end of the world for, for most of you. If you take care of yourself and you live a good lifestyle, you're, if you get C-19, you're going to not have the, the worst time with it. And the thing is, with all this fear being pushed, like there has to be some kind of a balance. Like all you hear is negative on, on the news and things that scare you, ways you're doing things wrong. You never really hear any of the, any of the positive. If you do, it's maybe for like a, like a minute. I feel like there should be like a, like a nice balance of, yeah, it's you gotta promote fear in certain situations, but you also have to promote the positive aspect of of certain things because then you're just being negative the whole time and you're leading this whole society into a depressive state and stressful state, which leads to you know all these negative negative outcomes. And you know it'll be. Uh, this is not possible to, to, to do, but it'd be crazy to look at if maybe if we're like, you know, at a different point in life, hundreds of years from now, if like, this is kind of like, like playing God or whatever, but if we could- Play God right now, bro. <laughs> you know, if you could maybe have like a pandemic and then see how positive news during a pandemic affects people versus negative news during a pandemic affects people. It's kind of hard to do because you actually need people to do, you can't do like on mice or anything like that because they don't watch TV. Yeah, yeah. Imagine if the government's saying like, you know, in United we stand, our nation is not going to fall, we're mm -hmm. going to sustain this. Like there's never anything positive. So I don't know how people are still like plugged into this BS and right. are, are playing along to be honest. Like it just completely freaking baffles me, bro. Actually, maybe we could do it with mice. Now that I think about it, what if we had like group of, one group of mice that is infected with something and they get put into a stressful environment yeah, and then you have another set of mice that are also infected with something but are in like a happy place you know yeah th I wonder how that would work that would be possible because mm -hmm. if you if you for example feed mice news uh they wouldn't be able to perceive it because they can't they're not conscious enough to understand because there's if there's nothing in front of them they're not going to perceive danger so i don't think it works the same way well, no, no. Uh, I mean, you can't watch humans. TV, but I'm saying, like, for example, get get like 20 uh, mice. No, no, I understand, I understand. Yeah. But I was talking about the TV part. Yeah, yeah. the TV part would, would, be, would be hard. But I'm saying maybe just get like a cat that would just look at them the whole time, you know, and have these yeah. stress out these mice because they're, they're technically they're in like a box that they could see everywhere, and they see like a predator there all the time. Like, that, I'm sure that that will have a super negative effect on their immune response, and I'm sure they will probably die at a quicker and higher rate versus the happy mice that aren't affected but are on like a green pasture with lots of mushrooms or grass or whatever. whatever. Whatever the hell mice eat, well, I don't know what mice mushrooms, eat. Mushrooms, huh? Mushroom. First thing that popped in your head. I'm, yeah, because I'm thinking like you know, because <laughs> I, I saw mice yesterday when I was grilling, and usually you see mice in the grass. So like, what's in the grass that mice could eat? Mushrooms? I mean, I don't know what's, what maggots maybe. I don't know what mice eat. Who cheese? Knows, you can't. You don't, you don't see cheese everywhere, right? They eat off humans. They do. The next stage. negative um, side effect of long prolonged stress is the reproduction system. You heard you heard this during the pandemic how. Uh, physical sex went down because of fear in a way mm. and then like virtual sex was increased which is interesting they're plugging us closer to the metaverse by the way yeah we did an episode um, about but, this too didn't we yeah yeah uh but both uh, chronic stress has impacts on the mind and body as you heard 
and eventually it decreases your libido, your sex drive, and it may even lead to erectile dysfunction, which is important to men because they need to get hard to uh, do their job. Yeah. And then also uh, chronic stress leads to a drop in testosterone, which leads to a decrease in interferon sperma, spermatogenesis, which is a production of sperm. So in, in this case, it makes you less fertile. And we have been seeing a decrease in... Um, the, I don't want to say, geez, I almost said production, but in the uh, reproduction of uh, babies and families and all that. Yeah, there's currently like a giant drop off in sperm count. There was like a episode about it in after school, which, which is crazy because you don't really hear on, on the news very often. And this could be directly associated to, to, to stress, you know, it could be directly associated to the, to the pandemic. And it's just crazy to think about that. Like, this is how it works. Like, we see, it's crazy because we listen to the radio station every so often here in Texas. And like, we always hear ads about like, wave therapy, you know, to treat erectile dysfunction and take this pill to treat erectile dysfunction or take this herb, it'll help you get harder, whatever, last longer or whatever the hell, you know, men need now nowadays. And like when I was like, just look back like five, six, seven years ago, I never really heard heard that on the radio station. And we used to listen to the radio station more often back in the day. So this is kind of like an evolving problem. I'm not sure if it has to do with the fact that our our Population is, is aging and a lot of lot, lot, there's a lot more older people than, than than there was in the past that could be due to it and just like a sales thing for them. But it's you know it's crazy to think about that maybe just people are super stressed and this is what's causing this drop in sperm sperm count and is this drop in ability to you know make children. It's it's, it's sad. It's a shame. Yeah, I'm I'm also thinking aside from the news and what like they push to, it doesn't play in our favor when we literally everything that's put into social media we fear. There's environmental toxins. There's this in the clouds. They're doing this to our food. We need to be eating this kind of stuff. Uh, it's just further, further, like just causing stress and making you feel like you are not enough in a, in a sense. Yeah, even, it almost feels like the world is after you. Even the supplement industry, it's, pro it's really closely linked to the pharmaceutical industry. As much as uh, we promote some multivitamins to be taken, all that mm -hmm. stuff, like the supplement industry has its own little techniques too to make you feel like you need something, you're like you're missing something, like your body can't do this on its own. And it's almost, it's um, it's not disingenuous. I'm looking for the term, um, but it's it just promotes the lack of. Yeah, you, like don't, you, you don't feel, something. yeah, you always lack in every aspect in society that you look at, whether it's physical items, you need to buy something, the whole economy runs on that, supplement industry runs on that, you always feel the lack. Mm -hmm. And the whole point, in order to love yourself, you have to feel whole. So imagine that, like the whole world is literally against us in mm -hmm. a sense. Not not against us in that way. That's the victim mentality because life is happening for you and it's an experience. You have to learn from it. But society is not in our favor the way culture is created and the way our system is created. Mm -hmm. It's great. It's kind of how it's kind of, it's basically how consumerism works. Like they have for you to buy something. You have to have the belief that you're missing something, right? That you're missing some kind of vitamin, you're missing some kind of article of clothing, you're missing something. Like when you look at clothing, for for example, you know you want the latest piece, uh, latest new shoes because on the, on TV everybody has it, and if everybody has it, and you don't have it, you feel like you're not 
being part of society because you're, you're lacking it. So you go out and, and buy it. And that's go the same with supplements. Hey, are you eating enough, enough vegetables? Well, I guarantee you're not. So take the supplement. It's going to be able to account for all this, this daily value. But in theory, do you really need that multivitamin if you're eating a, a, a decently good diet? No, you, you, in theory, in reality, you really don't need these supplements, these, these things. You don't need those protein powders. You don't need that creatine. You don't need anything because your body produces it. And you can function without it. It's it's a, it's a sales thing. Like, of course, there are benefits to taking a multivitamin, but is it, is it direly necessary to take a multivitamin? Not really. There's other ways of you for you to get those kind of vitamins and those minerals without having to buy this vitamin every every month and pay the $50 per bottle or, or whatever. It's just a sales tactic that people use. You just have to be aware of of kind of of yourself and, and your body and realize, hey, I need this. And I could live with, without this. You have to kind of sacrifice for, for things. Like, you know, there's people out there that that don't take any kind of supplements, don't take any kind of multivitamins, and they're the healthiest people in the world. Because realize that at some point in time, humans never took a supplement, never cared about the, the way they dressed, never cared about the certain things that we care about now, and somehow everybody still lived a normal, successful life. So just life is now, I feel it like has become to just basically things that you're willing to sacrifice for and things you're willing to you know sacrifice financially for you you kind of say like it all comes down to kind of sacrifice like what are you willing to 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 give up so you can have something else that makes sense yeah right it's crazy man discipline and mm. you know you can't have you can't be skinny and be eating 12 right. donuts as much as you want the sweet it's just mm. that fine balance beam uh so we're going to talk about two foods that decrease stress and this is uh, two foods, oatmeal and tea, and I. Uh, we're doing this episode because January is like oatmeal month and tea month, so why not slap those two in here? And as you know, food is in, important. It's literally your body is consuming it not for only energy, but it's literally giving us information, information to DNA, to cells, to know how to produce its actual function. So the first one is oatmeal. As you know, it's uh, it helps with stress and anxiety and it boosts uh, serotonin serotonin is that good neurotransmitter that we all want um, and the reason why oatmeal increases serotonin is because it has a good source of tryptophan is that how you pronounce it jesus my polish is off uh, i'm just as polish as you are bro uh, bro the life of amygdala amygdala i still don't even know which one's the <laughs> correct way dude and this is what's freaking badass even though we struggle with english we're still podcasting we don't give a f you can laugh at me all I want. I'm still pronounce it wrong. Yeah, there's no trust response associated with this. Yeah. Try fan. There we go. I'll do that one. But it's a chemical that's a precursor to serotonin. And the studies have been showing, and they're looking at studies, how it impacts our mood. As you know, oatmeal is even good for uh, fiber. helps regulate the gut. I know there was a bunch of stuff that said it lowered cholesterol, like on the bottles. Or not on the bottles, on the labels. I don't know how necessarily true that is. Um, but also, oats have a great complex of vitamin B, magnesium, and potassium, all important nutrients that play a role in stabilizing uh, blood sugars, mood, and energy. So that's that. And then also, fiber is actually linked to uh, decreasing oxidative stress and inflammation, and it actually stabilizes uh, what? Damn, stabilizes electrolyte levels, which helps heart function and blood pressure. Yeah, a lot of things are fiber. Exactly. And if um, you need some ideas on how to make your oatmeal we like to put some water milk in there 
Luke, our video guy, is great at making oatmeal. He makes the best oatmeal. Sometimes he puts a little bit of protein powder in there. You could throw some uh, nuts, almonds, maybe some chia seeds, some flax seeds. You could turn your oatmeal into like a superfood. Mm. Uh, and it's a dope-ass snack for nurses because you could pop it overnight uh, for overnight oats, take it to work. It's very versatile. Yeah, it's clutch. And then one thing you could use to chase down the oatmeal is, is tea, especially black tea. Uh, it's been shown to help people relax. Of course, there's teas that have caffeine in it. Black tea does have a little caffeine in it, but it has something called L-theanine, which almost counteracts that that little bit of, of caffeine that's in, in tea. And L-theanine has been associated with an increase in GABA, serotonin, and dopamine, which is your feel-good and relax kind of, kind of chemicals. Um, we actually, Matt and I, uh, we actually have L-theanine in, in bulk that we take with magnesium threonate uh, before bed to help us relax and, and sleep because L-theanine has been shown with a lot of studies to, to also increase the alpha wave state of your brain, which promotes relaxation and actually promotes creativity and focus at the, at the same time, which is crazy. It's almost like L-theanine is like this, this magical, uh, I don't know if it's a compound or, or, or whatever it, it, it technically is, but it's this magical thing where it helps you relax, but also promotes focus and creativity. So you can even take it before the gym because it's not going to put you to sleep. It's just going to little like just going to decrease a little bit of those effects of the caffeine you could say if you're taking like pre-workout or, or whatever it's going to kind of decrease those those jitters but promote focus at the same time and it's um really really cool cool thing to have have around and stand by uh tea has also been to tea has also shown to be uh beneficial in platelet platelet aggregation so it actually decreases platelet aggregation so um, be careful, I guess, for you of you of those that you know take any kind of antiplatelet medication because it's it slows down uh, your your clotting, which is interesting to know. And I think all tea does that, and it's also high in uh, another one of the words that we can say is cat catechins, catechins, catecholines. No, not catecholines, cat catechins or something like that. But they're basically phenols. I'm not sure if you guys are fans of Dr. Rhonda Patrick. Uh, she's a big proponent of phenols and these like antioxidants and things. So actually, um, tea has been shown to reduce the the like corticosteroid um, functionalities of being in a stressful response. So it kind of helps with cortisol, kind of helps with, with stress, and it'll help you alleviate any kind of stress or anxiety you, you have. So teas are really, it's like a power drink. Like almost a power food, this is like a power drink that they, you can use to help you kind of relax, settle down. And black tea is an amazing thing for night, while green tea is an amazing thing for, for day. I, I didn't realize how often we drink tea as a culture. Uh, Polish people love drinking tea. If, if anybody comes into the home, they're always kind of making tea with... Uh, some snacks or sandwiches. tea with sandwiches, yes. And I didn't realize how often we drink it. I didn't even know it has caffeine until maybe as a teenager. Mm -hmm. But it's something our parents always like made for us, and we always had sandwiches with it. Yeah, especially um, black tea. We, we always had black, like lip to black tea. That was like a standard because like, it comes in like a big box that has like a hundred tea bags in there, and we literally have it in the morning with like breakfast or sandwiches. And if somebody comes over, you have a second cup or a third cup, and it's like a, an all day activity almost. And tea helps with uh, combating oxidative stress with all the things that Peter mentioned, which is a perfect little sneak peek to next week's episode because we're going to talk about the mitochondria and oxidative stress and all that. So we're going to continue on the train of science and mm -hmm. f f physiology of the human body, which is 
freaking fascinating to us. Yeah, and if you guys go on coupleofnurses.com, we have the show notes for this episode. There's a lot of research studies that we have in the show notes. If you guys want to check out and don't believe us for what we say, there's a bunch of studies that we included. We didn't go over all of them just because there's so much. And also, our show notes are a lot more in-depth than what we kind of spoken about. Like, you could probably use a stress response, these show notes, for like your nursing school class or whatever you want to use for. Yeah, if people actually looked at our show notes, you could get a lot of info for mm. school and resources. And you don't need to do the Google searching of research studies. We already have them handy for you. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll see you uh, next week. Peace.